News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Thursday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen, 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. So the show's going up until 8 o'clock, which means we will end just in time for you to watch the Carolina Panthers tonight. So don't worry. We're going to get you out of here on time so you can watch the Panthers. And, you know, look, they're at Chicago. God knows if they're going to win. They're the, they are the underdog, but Chicago's not exactly gangbusters either. They're actually really, really bad. So we'll see what happens tonight. Maybe the Panthers can sneak out a win. But we're going to start tonight because tonight I'm going to do a lot of political stuff tonight. We're going to start off with an exclusive interview that I had with Tim Moore Tuesday night at Selwyn Pub when he was there for Tark Bakari's victory party. So I was able to sit down and talk to him because he also earlier this week announced that he's officially running for Congress over there in the Gaston County, Cleveland County, uh, that whole area, that district. And he's going to be running against Pat Harrigan, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago. And then immediately after my interview with Tim Moore, you're going to hear a breakdown from Bill McGinty on everything that happened in Waxhaw and the Waxhaw Wall, and then from Scott Hamilton talking about everything that's happened in Indian Trail, because we've been covering those two small towns just as much as we've been covering what's going on up in Huntersville, and we broke that down last night. But right now, here's my exclusive interview with Speaker of the House, Tim Moore. So you are officially running for Congress. What went into that decision? It may have been the worst kept secret in Raleigh, but what, what, what went into that decision? You know, I've looked at what we've been able to do in Raleigh uh, the, since Republicans took the majority after the 2010 elections. And, and, of course, I've been Speaker of the House ever since 2015 when Senator Tillis went to Washington. And I look at the, the things we did those, those four years before I was Speaker while we were in the majority and then the nine years since, and I'm really proud of that record. And we, we took a state, Brett, that was in debt to the federal government to the tune of about $4 billion dollars. We had record unemployment. We were having to lay off teachers, furlough uh, state employees. I mean, cost overruns every year on everything from Medicaid to anything, you name it. And in just a few year, few short years, we took all of that where North Carolina was in the red, where, by the way, at that time we had the highest taxes in the South and some of the highest in the country, to where today taxes are the lowest they've ever been in our state. Unemployment has done well, particularly in light of Joe Biden's terrible economy. And where we have, as a state, now been consistently ranked two or three years in a row as the best state in the country for business. You look at the record amount of growth that we're having in this state and in our region here. Uh, it's not an accident. It's because of policies that we've passed in Raleigh that have been allowed to create an environment where private enterprise comes in, creates jobs and growth, where people choose to move here, and where the state, we continue to come in with surpluses while at the same time cutting taxes. Uh, we've achieved what so many states have only tried to do and something that the federal government has never been able to do. And so what I want to do is I want to take that same those same results that we've gotten in North Carolina and see that done in Washington where things are just absolutely terrible right now. Well, that was going to be my next question. How do you take what you've done and what you're proud of in North Carolina and Raleigh and translate that to one of 435 people up in Washington, D.C.? Well, of course, every every member of the House has the same vote. And there are those who say, well, one person can't make a difference. Well, that would be discouraging for that way. But if enough people join together and say, for example, we need to balance the budget, we need to reduce taxes, 
we need to focus on getting government out of people's lives and out of their businesses and over-regulating. If enough people do that, that will be the law of the land. And I think that's something that people respond to. I mean, look at North Carolina. Before we took the majority in 2010, the state had been basically under one-party Democratic rule for, what, uh, roughly 140 years. And ever since we took the majority, we've maintained it. In fact, we now have super majorities, and we've expanded. I mean, think which uh, it, things are going well in North Carolina. And I think when folks see this and see the result, folks in Washington make those right decisions that you'll have good policy. Uh, what I want is is the best for you know my sons who are now young men who are now uh, ones in law school the other is now in in the in the career world and and I want to see them have the opportunities in this state to stay here to raise a family to to do all they can here and I want and, and I want to see that for every other family but I also want to see what we've done in North Carolina done at the federal level and I want to be a part of that talking with North Carolina Speaker of the House Tim Moore so I need to ask you about what your opponent Pat Harrigan had to say about you and some of the scandals when you heard some of his comments and you saw his tweets what was your response I really don't care what he has to say uh, I think that uh, I think that you know, uh, Pat should focus on telling the voters why he wants to serve and and he can talk about what he wants to talk about and uh, and cast aspersions and make untrue statements all he wants to I'm not worried about that. I'm interested in talking about my record uh, and, and what, what I would like to see us do for this community. The people of this district deserve to know what someone is going to do for them in Washington, D.C., and that's what we're talking about. Any potential retaliation? Are you going to focus in on him during the race, or are you going to focus in on yourself? What's going to be your plan for running for this particular race? My focus is on the people of this district, and I think that one of the things I've always held dear is that in any public service uh, position that you hold, that you should be accountable to the voters. And they want to know that you care about their plight. People who are trying to run a business and facing with overregulation want to know about that. People, families who are struggling to pay the grocery bill because of record inflation want to know the person cares about them. They want to know that someone uh, cares about ensuring they have access to health care. Uh, in terms of in terms of my opponent, people probably are going to want to know about his soft stance on immigration and supporting amnesty for illegals and open borders. You know, and we can certainly talk about those things. But uh, because I think the voters of this state want to know that they want to know that someone is soft on immigration. They want to know that someone opposes the balanced budget amendment. They want to know if if someone. Uh, opposes uh, the, the federal 15-week abortion ban. You know they'll want to know about those things, and ultimately it's about those. It's about the voters, and, uh, and and you know they'll decide those questions. And I think every candidate needs to get out there and talk about themselves, talk about their record, talk about what they want to do. But you know the key difference between me and anybody that's running is I don't have to talk about what I'm going to do. All this I've got a track record of serving the legislature. Folks can see how I voted. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've made statements and, and commitments, and I've kept those commitments on my votes. And uh, proud of that. And looking forward to doing that in Washington, D.C. I end every interview the exact same way. Is there anything I didn't ask you about or anything that you want to say? I'll say that it is, um, it, it is a humbling experience to have had this opportunity to serve uh, as, the, as the speaker. Uh, and, and I'm just as humble with the opportunity to, to be considered for Congress. And I'm always going to be grateful and appreciative. Um, you know, the voters give me this opportunity to serve and approach this job every day to do anything that, that I can in this position 
to make their lives better and to improve the lives within our community, our state, and our nation. So that's North Carolina Speaker of the House, Tim Moore, in a very exclusive interview that we got right here on WBT. I did the interview Tuesday night, just almost right as the final numbers were being announced for Tariq Rikari as the winner in the District 6 City Council elections. But the fact that Tim Moore is running is not a surprise. That word started coming out probably back in late May, early June, that he was probably going to run for Congress. And then you weren't really sure, and then boom, yeah, you you know what? A couple of weeks ago, and then it became really, really apparent that he was going to run for Congress. And then now, here we are, and he is officially running for Congress against Pat Harrigan. Now, I should also tell you, you know, I didn't mention, I said, you know, the district is in Gaston County and Cleveland County and goes up to like, uh, I think, Burke County and maybe even over one other county, maybe Rutherford County or something like that. But it does hit the southwestern corner of Mecklenburg County and all of North Mecklenburg County, that same district. So all you people in North Mecklenburg County, this is who you're going to be voting on. And when I say North Mecklenburg County, I mean like Huntersville and above. You guys are going to be voting in this race. And those of you down in the southwest part, maybe like in the Steel Creek area, you guys will be voting in this race. So these are going to be people that will be representing you as well. And the primary is in March. But it's already gotten nasty. And you heard my comments and questions to Tim Moore about some of the stuff that Pat Harrigan's already saying. And if you remember, Pat Harrigan point blank told me in another exclusive interview that, hey, there's plenty more where that came from. And if he thinks this is bad, he's got stuff that are way worse loaded in his chamber. So this is going to be a very, very interesting race from here until March on the Super Tuesday when they have the primary. So we'll be covering this for you nonstop, as well as all the other state and federal elections involving North Carolina. All right, so don't forget, we've got Bill McGinty coming up, who's going to be talking about the whole situation in Waxhaw, as well as Scott Hamilton talking about all the situations going on in Indian Trail that happened on election night. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Thursday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. Now let's take a look at some of the other races real quick because some of them are still like un- like undecided, including some right here in Mecklenburg County. So let's take a look at those real quick. In Pineville, you've got Eric Franson and Danielle Moore who are tied for the last spot on the Pineville Town Council. Two mail ballots have been received, 31 potentially outstanding. In Cornelius, you've got Woody Washam leads Dennis Bilodeau by 13 votes as Cornelius mayor. Eight mail ballots have been received, 91 potentially outstanding. That could go either way. In Monroe, Bob Janicek leads Robert Burns by one vote. One mail ballot has been received, 18 potentially are outstanding. So if the mail ballots are going to count, they have to be received by Monday and postmarked by Election Day. All the remaining votes will be counted on November 16th. That's next Thursday. And here's a nugget from Joe Bruno that is absolutely outstanding. Let's say there's a tie in Mecklenburg County for any of the races. The winner will then be chosen by chance. That could mean a coin flip or random drawing. And according to Bruno, the last time there was a tie in Mecklenburg County, the Board of Elections found the oldest voter in Cornelius and had him pick a name out of a hat. So this was in 2003, according to Bruno, John Bensman's name was picked out of the hat instead of someone by the name of Tom Tillis. You now know him as Senator Tom Tillis. As a result, Bensman got a four-year term. 
till it's got a two-year term and the rest as they say is history so some very interesting stuff right there and could you imagine if there was a tie up in cornelius and a tie over in pineville like that would be extremely wild and it's not out of the realm of possibility it could easily happen and so again next thursday on the 16th that's when all the votes will be decided and the final tabulations counted so that's when we'll have the official winners in pineville for the last remaining pineville town council spot as well as the cornelius mayor who's going to win that one so a lot of really interesting things that are going to happen on thursday exactly one week ago from today we will know who's going to be the mayor and who up in cornelius and we will know who's going to be the last remaining town council person in pineville all right so i've got something for you breaking news wise and there's no smooth transition going from politics to crime although some would say that's the very perfect transition but i was the one to break this news and this is why i tell you to follow me on twitter at brett underscore jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area, this time it happened more up in Huntersville, North Mech High School. I broke this way before anyone else had all the information. So here's the deal. Today, officers arrested a student, Miguel Angel Penaloza Guz. He, he was at North Mech High School. And this all happened after cops were notified that he was selling THC vape pens on campus. So Mr. Guz, according to Huntersville police, was attempting to leave campus and was stopped by the police. A canine sniff resulted and located about 100 THC vape pens that he was trying to sell on North Mex campus. A search of the car also resulted in locating two firearms with extended magazines. The charges are trespassing, two counts of carrying a concealed weapon on school grounds, felony possession of marijuana, and felony possession with intent to sell and deliver marijuana. And then at the very end, the Huntersville Police Department said great work by our school resource officers and school staff to quickly identify the suspect and get him into custody with no incident. CMS did say that no school, uh, students or staff were threatened by this. And then if you go to my Twitter account, Brett underscore Jensen, you'll actually see photos of the guns and all those THC vape cartridges. And this was happening at North Mech High School. North Mech High School. And that kid charged, he's 18 years old. So we can give his name, which is exactly what we did. And again, his name is Miguel Angel Penaloza Guz, 18 years old. And he's got those two massive guns. If you see the pictures on my Twitter account, you'll be like, what in the world? Why is an 18-year-old got this? Why does an 18-year-old have 100 vape cartridges? And I wonder if at some point they'll go, look, we'll make a deal with you. Where are you getting the vape cartridges? What, who are you working for? Who are you selling for? And if he turns them over, maybe he'll get a less lesser sentence. If not, he's looking at a long, long time behind bars. Okay, so when we come back, we've got Bill McGinty from the WBT Newsroom. Now, Bill spent a lot of years at WCNC as an investigative reporter, primarily covering consumer stuff, but he's also covered a lot of news as well in his day. And he covered the Waxhaw elections for us Tuesday night. And so we're going to talk to him and break down that whole stuff with the Waxall wall and how they swept. And then later on, we'll bring in Scott Hamilton to do the same thing about Indian Trail. But right now, let's swing on over to the WBT newsroom with Anna Erickson. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Thursday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. Just a few more moments here until we get to 8 o'clock. So Bill McGinty joins me now. He's from the WBT newsroom and he covered the elections in Waxall for us Tuesday night. 
and he joins us now. So, Bill, the first thing I want to start off with is what everyone had been building up, and we reported on it, and I was actually the moderator down there in Waxhaw for this debate, where the challengers, none of the challengers showed up. They instead opted to go to a fundraiser. The three incumbents sat there and answered my questions that they did not know what I was going to ask. So all that was being built up, the wall, which were all the challengers wanting to slow the growth to a snail's pace as opposed to the three incumbents that basically want to be progressive and see Waxhaw continuing to move forward. So with all that being said, the, the challengers, the wall, they won everything. They swept the three positions. The people that you talked to, were many people surprised that the wall swept? Yeah, the people I, the people I spoke with, um, yes and no. Um, they weren't surprised because of the aggressive voter turnout. Um, like just in the mayor's race, for example, with uh, Murray against the incumbent Pappas, um, a total of, of 3,600 votes cast. And that's a lot of votes in a small town mayoral race um, in an off year. I mean, you know, it, it, people really had to turn out. Um, Murray told me at the after party, he said, you know, Bill, people don't turn out for the status quo. They turn out if they want change. Now, you can buy into that or not, but it seems to have gone this way for him tonight or, or, or election night, rather. Talking with Bill McGinty from the WBT Newsroom, who covered the Waxhaw elections on Tuesday night. So when you talked to the Mayor Pappas, when you spoke to him on Tuesday, on the record and off the record, do you think he was prepared for the outcome that happened? You know, just based on, I didn't ask him that specific question, but just based on the conversations we had, a very nice man, by the way, um, just based on the conversations we had outside of Mary O'Neill, um, during the night um, as, as vote totals were being counted and then right after um, when he, he conceded the race. Um, I, I, think, I think that he um, maybe, maybe thought, hoped for, expected a different outcome than this. Um, you know, the interesting thing about this race, and I, I know you and I had some conversations about this race in particular, um, when you have a catchy candidate name as a wall candidate, you know, that, that, that brings about just a little of intrigue. Like, well, what's, what's this all about? Um, and they're all political newcomers. Um, Susanna uh, Wedra is an elementary school teacher. And, she, you know, I asked her, I said, so did you ever have any inkling that you were going to get in this? She said, no, um, I'm a teacher, but I want to do what I think is right for my community and what I think a lot of other people want for this community. You know, growth is, is a huge problem in Western Union County. It, and, and, you know, you and I have talked about this. It's a problem in one regard, but a blessing in another regard, because with growth comes tax revenue. But when the growth doesn't have the infrastructure to support it, like roadways and schools, enough classrooms and um, sewage treatment um, and, and things like that, it can be a real problem, and I guarantee you anybody that sat on Providence Road heading south in rush hour traffic day after day after day over the last couple of years probably are thinking this area is exploding too fast and the infrastructure is not catching up, and it's not just Providence Road. Just try to get into Waxhaw on, on, any, on any weekend, and you're going to sit on Providence Road for a long time, and that 
that train track right through the middle of Waxhaw doesn't help any. But it's not just Providence Road. It's it's Newtown Road. It's 84. It, it's all the feeder roads into Waxhaw that are two-lane highways. And you know that this was a, these were rural roads. They still are, except they've got you know bigger city traffic on them now. He was very very gracious when he conceded. Um, you know, and and I think it, it's a it's a big feather in his cap to walk out the door, leaving Waxhaw better than he found it, and at the same time saying, "Listen, they are political newcomers. I was once too, and so if they need any help or if they have any questions, I'm always here as a resource." I thought that was a classy move. It's a nice thing to say. Talking with Bill McGinty from the WBT Newsroom, who was in Waxhaw Tuesday night covering the big election down there. And so, Bill, any of the victorious people, did you speak to them about how they plan on implementing their plan? You know, look, they want growth at a very, very limited pace. And we know that a lot of the people in the Union County government were supporting the people in the wall, you know, because there's been that whole fight over not whether or not the county will continue to put more sewage and water pipelines down there. And yet this wall is in, you know, in conjunction with the Union County government about that. Have they talked about how they want to slow it down or how they plan on putting everything in place? No, they, they didn't get into specifics. And, you know, all these conversations took place at their after party and during the day, um, and they were busy, you know, doing last-minute campaigning. So there wasn't, wasn't a lot of time for, you know, long, in-depth conversations. I talked to, um, to Pappas the most afterwards. Um, but I did have some time with the three candidates, the three wall candidates. And, and you know, they said they, they acknowledged um, that there are only two votes on this board, two votes of a five-person board. So they realize they're outnumbered. Um, and I don't think that they want to stop growth because they know that that's not realistic. They want to manage growth, and they think they can help manage it better than the incumbents that they beat. Whether that is true or not remains to be seen. You know, Brett Cover in politics, people all the time get into office under the impression that they're going to do great things, and then they realize, oh, well, my hands are tied here, my hands are tied here, my hands are tied here. I don't know if that's possible. So I don't I don't know if if there will be a you know a slap in the face of reality um, when when they when they finally get into office and see what they can and can't do. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to watch. Talking with Bill McGinty, who covered the Waxhaw election for us on Tuesday night, and Bill, you know. You just brought up a great point. These are only two of five seats. The other person is the mayor that won. So the two people sitting on the town commission are still outnumbered three to two. I had not thought about that. And I'm not sure how many people have actually thought about that. That's still a very big deal, isn't it? I mean, it, it's for, for them, um, you know, it's, it's political outsider change. So let's see what happens. Um, but at the end of the day, they, they are only two voices. They will likely vote together, I'm sure. And the vote totals were, were, um, were astonishingly similar. Um, the mayor's race, I mean, he, he won with, what did I say, 64% of the vote we had talked about earlier. So basically two to one. And on the two commission seats, 
they each pooled about 31% and change of the vote. So in an off year like this, I mean, don't you see that as, wow, that's, that's a, a pretty aggressive voter turnout. You know, Bill, you're right. You know, Waxhaw had a big turnout. Huntersville had a big turnout. And obviously, they completely flipped the switch and went all Democrat for maybe the first time in the history of the town with seven, you know, the mayor being a Democrat and the six town commissioners being Democrat. But over there in Indian Trail, you had all the incumbents win, you know, all the people that ran for reelection won. But these bring out a lot of voters. People get very, very passionate about this stuff. You know, look, a lot of people came out more than expected in, you know, the District 6 city council election between Tark Bakari and Stephanie Hand. When it feels like it's in your backyard, people actually care. And you saw that with those particular three townships. I love covering small town politics. I do. I think I think there's uh, there, there's it's a great way to connect with the community. Um you can get into the issues a little bit better. The politicians aren't necessarily as polished or as seasoned, which is refreshing because you're not just getting talking points. You're actually talking to a real person. And I, I think in, in 2023, that's somewhat refreshing, not only from a constituent point of view, but from a reporter point of view. You can have real conversations and not feel like you're just getting some talking points that some PR person put together for them. But, you know, last week and then all week this week and then even last night, I said covering local elections, small town elections is like an episode of the Jerry Springer show. They're all at each other's throats. They all go to the same schools. They all go to the same churches. They all go to the same grocery stores. We're just waiting to find out who the father is. Yeah, right. That's a, that is a good analogy. And that's the other side of it as well, that they, they can be um, – they can they can be harsh just because it's a small town doesn't necessarily mean that the politics are civil bill mcginty from the wbt newsroom who covered the waxhaw elections on tuesday night i really do appreciate you joining me tonight and breaking it all down happy to be part of the show so some very interesting stuff there from bill mcginty and some stuff that i had not even even thought about to be honest with you these are only two out of five seats so the other three however they feel still hold the majority all right when we come back Now it's time for Indian Trail as we bring in Scott Hamilton to discuss what happened in that contest on Tuesday night as well. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on Breaking with Brett Jensen on this Friday night, just for a few more minutes until we get to 8 o'clock, and you guys can go watch the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears. So Scott was covering also Indian Trail, and he's been covering Indian Trail and all that wildness for the last month and a half or so. So, Scott, covering it, all the incumbents won. Were you surprised, or were any of those on the outside looking in surprised? Uh, yes and no, Brett, because as, as we've talked about on your show, it seemed like everybody was running as a team. Everybody had they, – the, even the incumbents, Todd Barber, he had a couple of people running with him. Uh, so for only one of those guys out of the three to get reelected, I found that to be I found that to be interesting. Uh, Todd Barber did get reelected; he got the third most votes. And again, it's one of those deals where you have I think there were nine candidates. Um, the top three were the ones who got seats, but but I, I did find it a little a little surprising. Um, what what was surprising, Brett, isn't that the incumbents won. It's it's just that I I didn't expect two incumbents to win. I, one out of three, I, I could have gotten the, one of the three spots, rather. I, I could have figured, but to have Crystal Buchelek and Todd Barber both win, I found a, a little, 
I, I guess not that surprising in the case of Todd Barber. He was pretty aggressive with his campaigning. Uh, Butchalak, she just went about her business and got reelected. The, the thing that shocked me most, and when you're talking about Indian Trail, to say something shocks you, it has to be really surprising. A guy named Clarence Alto Brooks Jr. quietly getting the, the most the most votes of anybody. There were nine people that ran for tra- uh, town council in Indian Trail. This guy got the most votes, and he had the quietest campaign. He's not an incumbent. He wasn't tethered with a couple of other people trying to get into council together so they would have a voting block. He just went about his business, and he got elected. And I know he was drafting a little bit off of uh, the mayor, David Cohn. He was also reelected. He beat uh, Dan Schellenkamp pretty soundly. But for this guy to get the most votes of anybody, and, and the way he went about his business, the way he handled his campaign, it's just really surprising because I'm going to be honest with you, Brett, and, and you'll you'll back me up on this. Of all the media in our area, I probably covered Indian Trail more than even the local paper there. I I only learned this guy's name on election day. When I went there, I went to a couple of polling places, and I saw a sign, and I went, huh, wonder who that guy is. Well, good luck to him, and he gets the most votes. I, shocking, to say the least. You're 100% right. No one has covered the Indian Trail situations better than you have. That's by far accurate. When you talk to the other candidates that won and those that lost, what did they have to say? Were any of them surprised themselves? Um, are, are, are candidates ever really going to admit they were surprised in one way or the other? I, I didn't get that sense. What, what I did get the sense of, Brett, and this is encouraging because I've said it's a toxic atmosphere out there, I get the sense that they really do want to come together now and they, and they want to do what's best for that community. That's a thriving community, man. 40,000 people, 24th largest town in North Carolina. There's some, there's some gravitas to that. And they're at a real crossroads trying to figure out what they want to be, not just next year, five years, but 10, 20 years down the road. And, and they've got to come together to be able to be able to do that. Um, the, the two other seats on town council, they're set, until 2025. So they have an opportunity right now to take advantage of this continuity and and to really, really come up with a plan that everybody can agree on and and get behind it and and move that town forward. Because if they don't, if they don't put this fighting behind them, man, I don't see how Indian, I I think Indian trails hit its ceiling. I don't see how it can continue to grow and to progress into the 21st century unless they table all the animosity and, and venom that's been spewed all over that place for the last seven, eight months. Talking with Scott Hamilton from the WBT Newsroom. So, Scott, a while ago this all started when you reported about, you know, the church development possibilities in downtown and then also the harassment situations involving members of the government. Are there any updates with that? Uh, the harassment stuff, it's still, like, brewing, but it's become a case of almost – he said, he said, she said, she said, We're still working on that. Um, the city, the, the downtown development plan, that was um, punted a meeting ago till after the election. I presume that they're going to pick that up um, when the council uh, reconvenes the next town hall meeting. They'll, they'll pick that up where it left off. So we'll, we'll find out about that. I'm, I'm just wondering this. The new town council members will not be sworn in at that meeting i'm wondering if it actually goes to a vote 
or if they table it again until the new council members come aboard. That, that'll be interesting to find out. Uh, new mayor pro tem, Dennis, uh, Dennis Gay, uh, one of the councilmen who's going to be in place for at least 2025. He was named uh, mayor pro tem, I believe, this morning. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're getting ready to go about business as usual. Let's just hope uh, business as usual doesn't include, uh, all kinds of spewing this, that, and the other all over social media and in the middle of uh, town council meetings. Talk with Scott Hamilton from the WBT Newsroom who covered the Indian Trail elections on Tuesday night, and that was a wild one as well. So, Scott, from a personal standpoint, this was your real first big-time taste of political coverage. You had small-town politics in Indian Trail, and you were also at the Democrat headquarters Tuesday night here in Charlotte covering the big stuff. So what's your first thoughts uh, now that you've covered the political stuff in the elections? Well, my therapist says that it's probably not good for me to discuss those things in a public forum um, because there has been some drama. <laughs> thought about changing my number a few times. From uh, you know, I put my number out there. I'm a pretty public guy. I'm like you. You know, we want to we want to stay in touch with everybody. Phone has blown up for probably the past two months from both sides, all sides of the fence in this. Um, I'm 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 disappointed in voter turnout. But I think that's systemic um, for a lot of places. Uh, I'm impressed by the diversity of the turnout. I, I am impressed by that. Um, but politics is politics, man. And, and here's the thing, Brett, and you're going to agree with this. This is all a tune-up for next year because it is going to be wild next year when we'll have a presidential election and a whole bunch of other seats up for up for uh up for grabs so i'm i'm just i learned a lot i had good people like you to lean on but um i thank the good lord above i don't have to do it every day scott hamilton from the wbg newsroom who's been covering this indian trail stuff nonstop. thanks a lot for joining us appreciate it all right so that's going to do it for us tonight again thanks to speaker of the house tim moore bill mcginty as well as scott hamilton who broke down all this election stuff if you missed any part of it go to wbt.com and you see all the interviews right there Enjoy the Carolina Panthers game tonight. Maybe they'll get a win. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.